Good morning, friends. Welcome to Warm Community Baptist Church this morning. I'm Greg Gibson. I am not Tim Hobbs. He has a little more hair than I do. But he is preparing for a, an important uh, ritual of baptism this morning for four new members. So before we get started, I uh, have the pleasure of bringing the announcements to your attention. And let's start with uh, welcoming any visitors that we have. We're surely glad that you're here with us. If you could take a moment to sign the rose-colored pads that are on the pew or on the row with you, uh, we'll have a record of your attendance, and you can stay in touch with what we have going on ministry-wise here at the church. We would like to thank the men's class for having the Fellowship Cafe this morning. Um, there is a nominating team meeting today at 4. Is that true, Mark? Mark's, Mark's out back. Um, is that, okay, good deal. Uh, and then also I was asked to bring to your attention that there is a deacon meeting today at 5 o'clock uh, today. And with that said, Chris also has an important announcement to bring to us. I'm going to ask him to come forward today regarding our budget for the 2017 year. This is a special call business meeting to approve the budget, which you've got on your bulletin. It's on the back. Uh, you've got total income uh, of 188550 budgeted for 2017, total expenses uh, budgeted for 208264 and as typical, we budget 
uh, for a loss and hoping that our tiles will pick up or our expenses will be less. Uh, the purpose of this meeting is to vote on this, yes or no. The uh, church uh, met in a Wednesday night business meeting and vetted all these numbers. The finance team brought this budget uh, to the uh, Wednesday night business meeting. The uh, church uh, reviewed these, and the Wednesday night vote was to bring this to you, uh, requesting approval of it. So, all in favor of... Accepting this budget for 2017 signify by saying aye. aye. Any opposed by nay? That carries and that concludes the business meeting. Thank you. I also like to point out that it is Senior Commodity Day on Tuesday, and we would like help with anyone who is capable after the service of stacking the chairs up and uh, securing them in a safe place. Uh, if you haven't already taken the opportunity to fill out a survey, the nominating team would like to plug you into an area where your gifts and talents can best be used in the church. And uh, we would ask you to fill out one of those and just drop it into the uh, offering plate this morning. With that said, I would ask you to stand and join the choir in our song of welcome, We Believe. Thank you. 
You may be seated. I know we change things up so much around here. <laughs> Please join me in our baptismal liturgy printed in your, in your bulletin. And I think we'll have the, the words on the screen as well. We gather to witness the story of God's salvation acted out in the waters of baptism. In holy worship, remember your baptism and give thanks. Through our baptism, we are marked as a people who believe in the radical act of redemption through Jesus. We are immersed in the newness of life and raised to walk on the mission of Christ in the world. We do not know what new thing will be born in us, but we ask God's grace to respond in Christ-like love. Let us listen once again. God, drench us in the living waters of your love. Immerse us in the depths of your spirit. Raise us once again to walk in new life with you. I mentioned just a few moments ago as we gathered in my office in preparation for baptism that this is one of the perks of the job. This is one of those delightful things that a pastor can do. Uh, because it is a time of great celebration. It's a, it's a time of, of sharing in the lives of other people as they progress along their spiritual journey. And there's nothing that brings more joy to me than uh, doing a baptismal service. And I think especially in a day like today, because we have four people baptized today, and they are family members. They are father and daughter. They are mother and son. And a part of baptism is an initiation into the family of Christ. And so the whole spirit of familyhood is, is represented here. 
These are not only family by blood, but they are now family in spirit as they are family with us, brothers and sisters in Christ. First, we have Kurt Knight and Lily Knight. Uh, Kurt is Lily's father. And they have come and they have professed their faith in Jesus Christ. And they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they have come to be united to this church and to the family of God through the act of baptism. On your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it is my joy and pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lily, it is now my joy and pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Ryan and Jamie Gillette. You know, baptism has a lot of symbolism behind it. There's a lot of water here, and water is, is symbol, symbolic of cleansing. And a part of the baptismal ritual is a symbolic cleansing of our lives, cleansing of our sins. It is also a start of something new, because as one is put down into the water, it is like they are being buried to an old life. But you may notice we don't keep them down there that long. We lift them up again. Uh, just like Jesus was raised from the dead, they are raised to a whole new life. And that's what this whole baptism thing is all about. It's about a cleansing ritual and a ritual of, of newness of life. And what better time to do this than at the beginning of a new year. We are so happy for these, uh, these family members, this mother, this son, this father, this daughter, who have made this commitment, and it's such a joy to baptize them today. And so, Ryan, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it's my joy and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Jane, upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, it is my joy and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is much water here in this pool. As the Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip, there is much water here. What doth prevent you from baptizing me? 
It's a question that we should be asking ourselves today. There's much water. What prevents you from being baptized? Cheering, cheering, calling all cheering. Hello, guys. Thank you for being here with me. How are you? Hmm? Good. Right. Good. Today, we have just seen baptisms of Kirk and Lily and Jamie and Ryan. Um, Today's passage is um, when Jesus was baptized, but we're going to start a little back from that. Do you remember which city Jesus was born in? Do you remember that? Congregation, help us out. Bethlehem, thank you. Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. Well, they didn't stay in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary took Jesus... And they moved a couple of times, and they wound up in a place called Galilee. Now, Galilee was, they called it a a district, but the district, it was kind of like a county. So it was kind of like the county of Galilee, and they wound up in a town called Nazareth. Um, And we believe that Jesus probably went to work with his dad, Joseph, 
Um, do we remember what Joseph did for a living? Congregation, help me out here. Carpenter. carpenter, thank you. Joseph was a carpenter. And probably Jesus went into the family business. So Jesus was probably a carpenter too. So he built stuff. He built stuff. He put stuff together. He's kind of like our own Larry McDowell and Roger um, Culver and uh, uh, Bob Crafton and John Cornelius. No, they built this. They built, they built all kinds of stuff. So Jesus was a carpenter. He built stuff. Um, well, at one point, Jesus decides that it's time to make a career move. And so he goes to the Jordan River, which is still in Galilee County. So it's kind of like being from Henderson in Henderson County, and he went to the Ohio River, except he's in Nazareth in Galilee County, and he goes to the Jordan River. And when he goes to the Jordan River, John, his cousin John, John is his cousin, is baptizing people. And Jesus says to John, it's time for me to be baptized. Well, John knows who Jesus is. Um, And John says to Jesus, you need to be baptizing me because John knows that Jesus is the Son of God. John knows that Jesus is the Messiah. And John says, you need to be baptizing me, Jesus, not me baptizing you. And um, Jesus says, no, this is the right thing. You need to baptize me. Um, and at that point, um, when, when Jesus raised up out of the water, just like we saw these guys this morning raise up out of the water, they heard a voice from God saying, this is my son. I love him. And I am real proud of him. So that was the day that Jesus' ministry started. At that point, Jesus decided that he wasn't going to be a carpenter anymore, that that his role as Messiah and Son of God was going to start at that point. And so that's when he started gathering up his 12 disciples, and he started teaching, and they started traveling, and he was doing the miracles and all the stuff that we read about for the next three years. But it started with Jesus' baptism. So um, today we have watched Ryan and Jamie and Kirk and Lily start their new lives too with their baptisms. Now many, many of us in this room have been baptized and we remember that day that we started our ministry that God gave us um, when we were baptized Um, And what we may not have heard vocally, uh, God saying, you are my child and I love you and I am proud of you. That's exactly what the voice of God said today um, through these baptisms. You are my children and I love you and I'm proud of you. And in baptism, it is our way of saying to God, God I love you too, and I'm in this for the long haul. Whatever you need me to do, whatever my ministry is, I am in this for the long haul. Um, And God says back to us, child, you will never have to be alone. You will never have to do this by yourself. I am right there with you for the long haul. 
God says to us, I love you, my child, um, and I'm proud of you. And let's get on with it because we got stuff to do. So let's pray together. God, we love you too. And we know that you will be with us for the long haul. And God, when we give our heart to you and say to you and to Jesus, we're going to follow you. And we're going to follow you for the long haul. So thank you for loving us that much. um, And guide us as we begin our ministry. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Generous givers, both 
in our money and our lives that we might make a difference in this community. We ask this through your son, Jesus, who gave all that he was, that we might know life in all of its fullness. Amen. Amen. scriptures from Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented and when Jesus had been baptized just as he came up from the water Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. In this time of desperation, when all we know is doubt and fear, there is only one foundation, we believe, we believe, in this broken generation. When all is dark, you help us see. There is only one salvation. We believe, we believe, we believe in God the Father. 
Pastor John Buchanan tells about baptizing a two-year-old boy uh, in a Sunday worship service. And after the child had been baptized, Pastor Buchanan was following the directions of the Presbyterian prayer book by putting his hand on the boy's head and saying, You are a child of God, sealed by the Spirit in your baptism, and you belong to Jesus Christ forever. Well, unexpectedly, when John said this, the little boy looked up at the pastor and said, uh-oh. <laughs> well, of course, all the congregation smiled and a few of them even laughed. But, says Buchanan, the child's response was appropriate. Buchanan called it a stunning theological affirmation from the mouth of a child. And you know, the kid was right. Baptism ought to be an uh-oh kind of experience. It should not be a mere rite of the church that we go through without some deep soul searching and prayer. You see, baptism represents a movement from a world of, of darkness to a world of light. It represents a movement from a, a kingdom that's filled with strife and, and hate and violence to a kingdom that's filled with love. It's a movement from the stark reality of certain death to the promise of glorious and everlasting life. So my friends, baptism should never be taken lightly. It is a very important thing. And one of the reasons that baptism is an uh-oh kind of experience is that it represents responsibilities on our part. Responsibilities. Uh-oh. Responsibilities. You see, in baptism... 
We are becoming a part of the body of Christ. These four that we baptized today, it was their way of saying to each of us, we are a part of the body of Christ. It was a way of of us welcoming them into the body of Christ. It was a way of God saying, you are my beloved child. You're part of my family. And so in baptism, we become a part of the body of Christ. And that means that we are becoming a part of the church. It means that we are to love our fellow Christians as well as the world for whom Christ died. And not only to love them, but also to act like we love them. And the things that we say and the things that we do uh, to them and the, the same things that we say and, to, and do for them. It means that we are now a part of the church's ministry and mission and, and should give our time and our resources and in service to the church's work. And this is no small thing, folks. This is a lifetime commitment. One source tells us that in Hellenistic times, when one was baptized, that person was considered a completely different person to the point that that person was absolved of any debt because the the debt was incurred by the former self. That sounds like a pretty good idea. You think? I, and I would wager that if that were the case today, people would be lining up the door at the door to be baptized this morning. But I think the point is that, that baptism was taken very, very seriously. And Jesus, of course, was baptized by John the Baptist on the Jordan River. Now think about how uncomfortable that must have made John feel, that Jesus came to him to be baptized. What's going on here? John probably wondered. I'm not ready for this. I'm just a lowly prophet. And this is the Messiah, the Son of God. What am I doing baptizing him? I'm not worthy. Indeed, Matthew tells us that John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? It's pretty easy to guess what went through John's mind. He felt unworthy to do this. But I wonder what was going through Jesus' mind when he was baptized. I mean, think about it. Why would Jesus, the sinless Son of God, submit to baptism by John there in the wilderness? Bible scholars and historians tell us that the fact that, that Jesus was baptized by John was somewhat of an embarrassment to the early church. You see, for, for many years after John's death, he still had a lot of disciples, just like Jesus did. And they continued to follow John's teachings separate from the church. They weren't really a part of the, the early church. They were had their own group there, and, and they may have actually been kind of competitors, you know, for in the religious world, if you if you want to say. Um, and and some of them even claimed that that John was superior to Jesus, since Jesus came to John to be baptized. And that makes sense if you think about it. So why did Jesus do it? Well, there are several possibilities. And the first one is that he may have wanted to identify himself with the ministry and the message of John. Jesus wanted to identify himself with the ministry and message of John. And there's no question that Jesus admired John the Baptist tremendously. They may have had different preaching styles and different styles of leadership, but but Jesus admired John the Baptist and vice versa. 
In fact, on one occasion, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. No one greater than John the Baptist. And last time I checked, 100% of the people uh, born have been born of women. So Jesus is paying John a tremendous compliment here. He had great respect for John's ministry and John's message. And what was that ministry? What was that message? Well, John came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Does that sound familiar? Well, it's interesting that in the very next chapter after, after this story in, in Matthew's gospel, at Jesus' first sermon, this is what he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the same message. The very same message that John was proclaiming. And this is important because there are some people who would like to portray John as hard on sin and Jesus as eh, soft on sin. Yeah, sin, it's okay. We'll forgive you. And everybody associates John with the need for repentance, but a lot of folks don't think of Jesus in association with repentance at all. But check the Gospels. Jesus' teachings were just as uncompromising as John's teachings were. And the only difference was that, that Jesus was compassionate with the sinners, but not with their sin. You see, since Jesus had the heart of God, he understood in a way that, that John could not why sin needed to be rooted out of our lives. John was hard on sin based mostly on morality. For John, it was wrong, and that was it. And you needed to get rid of it. Jesus took a little different twist on that. Because Jesus was hard on sin for a different reason. You see, Jesus understood that sin has consequences that can destroy a person. Sin destroys. It can destroy individuals. It can destroy marriages. It destroys churches. It destroys everything it touches. And that's why sin is our enemy. You know, we modern folks, we, we hardly even use the word sin anymore, do we? We say, oh, mistakes were made or you know, we had an error of judgment or something like that. And, and we, don't, we hardly even use the word sin. And I think that's a mistake for us for two reasons. First of all, I think it's a mistake because it allows us to evade the truth about our own behavior until it's too late. There's a great scene in the movie Grand Canyon in which an attorney played by Kevin Klein, is in a hurry to get home one night. But all the main roads, the highways are just jammed. This was after a basketball game, and so, you know, there's a crowd of people. And, and he was in a hurry to get home, and so he tries to take a shortcut. And suddenly he realizes that he's lost. He doesn't know where he is. And even worse, he has driven his luxury automobile into one of the most desperate, crime-ridden slum areas of the city. And then the nightmare begins. His car breaks down. He calls for help, 
But before it arrives, a group of young hoodlums surround his car and began to harass him and threaten him. And he's helpless. He's trapped in his car. And then finally, the tow truck comes up. And the driver, uh, played by Danny Glover, steps out to hook up the car to the tow truck. And the hoodlums began, began to uh, harass him a little bit and protest that, that this guy's going to help this, this man. And so the driver of the tow truck takes the leader of the group off to the side and he says this. He said, man, the world ain't supposed to be like this. The world ain't supposed to work like this. Maybe you don't know that, but this ain't the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you if I can. And that dude, referring to the lawyer over there, he's supposed to be able to wait with his car without you ripping him off. Everything's supposed to be different than what it is. And he's right. We live in a world where there are a lot of things that are going on that are different from what God intended for God's world to be. And those unhealthy thoughts and actions are the product of sin. And we need to be aware of the deadliness that sin, uh, that, that, of that sin so that we don't get sucked into something that will destroy ourselves or other people. So you see, sin is not some harmless plaything. It's it's our enemy. And we need to realize that and and bring that word back into our vocabulary. The second reason I think that, that it's tragic for us to exclude that word sin from our vocabulary is that without a consciousness of our sin, there's no consciousness of our need for salvation. This is an insight from Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, She wrote a book titled Speaking of Sin. And uh, in that book, she has one chapter that's named Sin is Our Only Hope. Now you might think, what? Sin is our only hope. And here's what she means by that. She argues that the key to experiencing salvation is to, first of all, be aware that we need saving. And that means that we need to recognize our sin. When we recognize our sin, the doors open for God's grace to come flooding into our lives. So Jesus' opening words to his ministry echoed the words of John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus understood the destructiveness of sin even more than John did. So perhaps Jesus came to be baptized by John as a way of identifying with John's message and John's ministry. Then there's a second reason that Jesus came to be baptized. And that may have been that that this was his way of initiating his own ministry. Um, When Jesus was baptized, he was 30 years old, 30 years old. He had spent most of his life helping his mother raise his younger brothers and sisters. He probably served as his young adult years in the carpenter shop. Um, and now it was time for him to fulfill his calling. And so baptism at the hand of John was his way of announcing to the world that he was ready to begin his ministry. And if it seems that 
Being baptized by a rough-cut preacher like John was a humbling thing for the Son of God to do, then we need to remember that humbling himself was what his whole ministry was all about. As Paul once put it, Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Why? Because that was the only way that he could fulfill his mission of seeking and saving the lost. He humbled himself, and he laid down his life for us. United Press International uh, years ago carried a, an unusual story about a bank official who became a hero in a very unusual way. Andrew Parker was his name, um, and his family, along with uh, many other people, were on a ferry which was sinking in the English Channel. Fortunately, they were, they were near a small island, uh, but unfortunately, between the sinking boat and a, a small dock uh, jutting out from that island, there was a span of about six feet of turbulent water. Um, safety was so close at hand here, but, but none of the people on the ship were able to jump those six feet. So Andrew Parker decided to build a bridge. How did he do that? With his own body. He stretched his six foot three inch frame across that gap to become a human bridge in order to allow the 20 people on board to cross over to safety. His wife Eleanor was the first one to try out the human structure. And she said, I stepped on his back and I was petrified. All of the people on board made it across. And once they were across, they all clung to that small island until rescuers could come and help them. In the midst of all that confusion and pandemonium, Andrew Parker himself became a vital path to safety. Now go back with me 2,000 years. A humble carpenter from Nazareth set out not only to build a bridge between God and humanity, but to become that bridge between God and humanity. It began here on the banks of the Jordan River when he chose to initiate his ministry at the hands of John the Baptist. He was baptized as an act of identification with John's message and ministry and also as a means of initiating his own ministry, a ministry that was marked by love and humility. But I think there's a third reason that he may have presented himself for baptism that day, and that is that he was indicating to us the path that we are to take in our Christian discipleship. For you see, just as Jesus was baptized to identify with John's message and ministry, we too are to submit to baptism as an act of identification with Christ's message and ministry. In baptism, we become a part of Christ's family. And that's not insignificant, folks. For you see, once we are a part of God's family, then nothing on earth can tear us away from that. When we are part of God's family, then we are assured that we have a place of safety and security that will never fail us once we put our trust in Jesus Christ and once we give ourselves to him in baptism. Arthur Jack Gulledge puts it in a beautiful way. 
He tells about the river Jordan, which flows southward through the Holy Land. And Gulledge notes that for the most part, this river is neither beautiful nor peaceful. Uh, For one thing, it's 25% mud. It's not a very pretty river. It's kind of ugly and 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 dirty a lot of mud in it and it's it's not very pretty and it and it plunges downhill at a furious pace falling about nine feet per mile and if you know anything about rivers that's pretty significant there it's a 158 mile river it begins with a in the snows of mount herman uh, at a point about 260 feet above sea level i know that's not that high but that's where it begins but by the time it empties into the dead sea At that point, it is at 1,287 feet below sea level. And by that point, the water has literally reached the the lowest place on earth, the lowest point on earth, the Dead Sea. Ironically, this river that has inspired thousands of hymns, we'd all sung them, sung by millions of people all over the world, This same river serves as a barrier with the hostile nations of Syria and Jordan. However, amid the unbeautiful, sometimes furious river east of Jericho, there's a lovely bend. It's called the, the Ford of the Partridge. And it's a place of great beauty and and the the river kind of slows down at this place. There's an eddy there that, where the water is, is calm. And it's a place of great beauty. It's shaded by willows and, and eucalyptus trees, much like it was in the New Testament times. And according to tradition, this was the place where Jesus was baptized. I don't know if it was really or not, but this, tradition says that this was the place. And Gulledge writes, how symbolic The place of Christ's baptism is a spot of beauty and peace in the midst of a furious flowing river of hate and strife. Gulledge notes that according to the Gospels, at one point when Jesus' enemies were trying to seize him, he went back across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing in the early days, and there he stayed. In other words, Jesus took refuge in the place where he had been baptized. And then Gulledge adds, whether at this location on the the Jordan or another, Jesus found refuge from the trials of life at the place of his baptism. And my friends, we can do that too. I hope we all can do that. Because when difficulties seem to be more than we can bear, and we've all been there, haven't we? When difficulties become more than we can bear, feel like we can bear, then going back to that baptismal experience puts it all into perspective. We remember how Martin Luther faced difficulties in his ministry. He would remind himself that he had been baptized, that he was a beloved child of God, that he was a member of God's family, and that gave him that sense of peace that Gulledge was describing. And there may be someone here today who has never taken that step of being baptized before. And if you haven't, I hope you'll consider taking this step of faith and love today. If you're interested in being baptized, 
just let me know. Just let me know. I'd love to talk with you about it because Christ wants you as a part of Christ's family. And I think that the beginning of a new year is an ideal time to make that decision. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, said the young boy when his pastor stated the meaning of baptism to him. That young boy was correct in his assessment of the situation. Because, folks, baptism, it's a big deal. And I hope that everyone in this room understands what an important and beautiful rite it is. And I hope that when those times of difficulty face that, uh, present themselves before your life, that you will remember that you are a beloved child of God. Your baptism tells you that. And it's a wonderful thing for us to remember. So remember your baptism. Or consider being baptized if you haven't been. It is a beautiful rite of the church. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. These four who were baptized today decided to follow Jesus. They have said, I have decided to follow Jesus. That may be the prayer of your heart today that you have decided to follow Jesus, that you want to make Christ um, the Lord of your life, not only someone that you admire, but somebody that you have dedicated your life to following in his teachings, in the ways of his teachings. And so we hope that that is the prayer of your life today. And if it's not, and you would like to, to talk with someone about that, maybe it's something you're considering, talk to me. Let me know. I would love to talk to you. But let's sing together. I have decided to follow Jesus. Number 305. May the waters of God's grace surround you and uphold you. May your baptisms strengthen you for the work ahead. May the spirit that descended upon Jesus at his baptism fall upon your shoulders as you seek to do God's will. And may you go from here with the clear recognition that you are God's beloved child. Go and fulfill your baptism calling. Amen. Thank you. You guys did a great job.
Hi, Charlie. Charlie, how are you? Yeah, he's here to yeah, open the door for us, isn't he? How are you today? Good, good. Get the calendar, the chart. Uh, yeah, he's he's recovering well. He had uh, he had pneumonia. Did you hear that? Yeah, he was in the hospital, but he's recovering well. He's home now. Yeah. Hi there. How are you? Good. It's so good to see y'all. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. 